I understand that door-to-door fundraising is a bit like Marmite. A lot of people don't like people knocking on their doors and that's completely understandable. There's obviously people who are vulnerable in the community who maybe have a little bit of a fear around people coming to their door that they don't know. So it's completely understandable that people would want to know more about why we're doing this type of fundraising and what it means and who are the people that we're using to do it. So the organisation that we are using are called Smile Fundraising, who are a Newcastle-based organisation but have teams throughout Scotland. So you may have had some lovely Geordies at your door. or It maybe was, some yes. <laughs> Yeah. And the reason that we're doing this kind of fundraising is because you know it's a really cost-effective way of us being able to raise funds for the home. We're a really well-established part of the community and people who know us will probably know that we are completely funded by generous donations by the public. A huge amount of which comes from people leaving gifts in their wills to us and that's really what's kept the organisation afloat for nearly 160 years. Now, relying on people leaving gifts in their wills isn't something that we can do to sustain the organisation. We know that we need to be here for the community and for the strain, lost and abandoned dogs and cats for another 160 years. And to do that, we need to be able to raise income, but we need to be able to do it in a sensible, transparent way. And face-to-face and door-to-door fundraising is a really cost-effective way for the organisation to do that. What I would say is that if it's not your cup of tea and it's something that you don't like, then you're well within your rights to ask them to leave and to go. We very much ask people in the community to feedback to us about how we're doing and the conversations that we're having and the agencies and contractors that we're using because we want to make sure we're getting it right. We feel that we're a very established part of the community and we don't want to lose that community spirit around the home. So we very much encourage anyone who has had somebody at their door, whether they've had a good experience or a less positive experience, to come and tell us and let us know and um, let us know how that experience was for them so we can make sure that it's right for the next time. But you are actively raising money and you're expanding at least your office space here. So is that all interconnected? Yeah, the home has been going through a period of change over the last five years. Around five years ago, we introduced our first ever chief executive to the organisation. It's safe to say that the animal care at the home has been top class for many, many, many years. But where we were a little bit behind was the kind of business side of the organisation and actually being able to raise funds. It costs the home £2.7 million a year to be able to run our services. And these costs are only going to go up as veterinary care increases, as food costs increase. We don't, we're living in economical uncertain times as well because we don't know the impact that Brexit might have, that independence, if it ever happens, may have. So we really need to, to be sustainable sustainable for the future to keep offering our services. We've had to invest in areas like fundraising, like marketing, communications, but also things like HR, volunteering, all those kind of things. And unfortunately, running an organisation of this size costs a lot of money. Um, As I said, we don't get any government funding, so we need to look at the best ways to be able to fund the organisation. So one of these is to actually ask people to make a small donation every month or whatever. Regular donations are a really sustainable way of being able to manage the home's income and and increase their income because it means that if people sign up for a small monthly gift, which might be £5, it might be £12, for some people it's a little bit more if they can afford that, but that means that we can rely on that money coming in every month and it's not just relying on one-off donations, which of course we appreciate as well, but those people that are giving every month are actually allowing us to build a plan for the future as well. So we only started face-to-face and door-to-door fundraising in the middle of last year and we already have 2,000 
2,000 people, who over 2,000 people now, who are giving to us um, a small donation every month. That equates to just over £200,000 every year that we know is going to be coming in. Now, over the next five years, we're planning to do more door-to-door and face-to-face fundraising, and we want to get to the stage where that money's bringing in is about a million pounds a year, which will make a big bulk of obviously the 2.7 that we need to bring in. So it is a huge, um, it makes a huge impact for the home just by a lot of people giving that little bit of money every month. But presumably you're using you're using other techniques than just door to door because I can imagine you well when I, I see emails from here all the time, but presumably there are things to do with uh, your online presence and so forth which are also part of that drip drip if I can call it that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is that you can't just rely on one income source to keep an organisation running, and that's where some of the investment has come in over the last few years. So we also have members of the team who look after corporate fundraising, where we ask big companies to engage with us to become their Charity of the Year. So we were Charity of the Year for Edinburgh Trams for a year, Marks and Spencers on Princess Street. So these kind of bigger corporates, we engage with them, their staff, their customers to try and get those kind of bigger annual donations. We also work with trusts and foundations. So we'll put applications into charitable trusts. We had a lovely donation from a charitable trust last year. Some of the community that walk past up and down the prom might have seen the new runs that we got put in. That was very generously donated by a charitable trust who wanted to have a project that would have a lot of impact for animal welfare standards and that's exactly what we were able to do. We also do a lot of community fundraising so many of the Port of Ella residents will have been along to our open day over the years. It's our very longest established event, first Sunday of every month and we have around 2,000 people plus dogs come down on site and have great fun um, taking part and making small donations to take part in tombolas and, and dog shows and things like that. So we do a lot of different kinds of fundraising and that's because we want to appeal to everybody in the community. We know that, as I said, door-to-door isn't going to be for everybody and not everyone can afford or want to make a monthly gift and that's completely fine. But there might be people that want to come along to one of our events and enjoy our pub quiz. We just won't really want to appeal to all members of the community because, yes, our mission is to care for dogs and cats, but actually the impact that we make for people in the community is equally as important. We see some really, we see see really societal issues. We see homelessness, we see domestic abuse, we see people who have ended up with a dog or cat that was a family member that's passed away and we see really sad people that have to surrender animals to us and we're very much wanting to continue to be there for those people and those animals for as long as we can be and fundraising is a huge way of how we can continue to do that in the future. And of course once an animal has been rehomed that is actually contributing to the if you like the well-being of that new family absolutely some of the stories we hear are just incredible of how i mean i'm sure many people have heard how the link between pet ownership and well-being and we hear some really incredible stories of people who have rehomed a dog or a cat from us and just how positively that's impacted their or their family's lives and that is just really special for us because not only is that animal getting a second chance at life but often the humans, the people that own that animal, it makes a huge difference in their life too so yeah we're very much a matchmaker and we try and match those animals with their perfect owner and hopefully that brings positive experience for both the animal and the human. But coming back to your role in fundraising, that is basically going to be forever now. Yes, I mean, unless the government decide that they want to fund us. We are, of course, looking at other ways of generating income. What services can we offer to the community that don't 
already exist. We're always thinking of new creative ways that we can bring in funds to the organisation. Of so course, I was just wondering what new services you might be able to offer. They're a bit under wraps at the moment, but I would say definitely keep a look out. We've, we've been doing some research this year into what we can offer. Obviously, there's a lot of pet services that already exist, and we don't want to step on toes in the community. We want to offer something completely different. So, obviously, you'll know we already offer pet boarding services. So, we do pet boarding from people going holiday, they can for a very affordable price they can um, leave their leave their pets with us and they're in the hands of expert kennel staff and cattery staff who can look after them. So that's just one of the services that we already offer. In terms of new services, um, I would say watch this space because later on this year we hope to launch a new service which will be an income generator for the home, but it will also be something that hopefully the community will really want to get involved in. So yeah, as soon as as soon as we can announce more we certainly will.